The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 328 for September 9th, 2012. Nokia and Motorola announcing new phones, Verizon and AT&T announcing LTE network expansions, and we'll explain an easy way to unlock your iPhone. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. First this week, I posted a review on Wednesday that I've been wanting to do for a long time, the unlocking of an iPhone. Now, here's the scenario. You're either tied to being stuck with your iPhone on your current carrier or with the new iPhone announcement coming up this week, you want to maximize the amount that you can get when it comes time to sell your phone online. Either way, you need to have your phone unlocked and a quick Google search yields that nearly 100 million results are available when you choose iPhone unlocking from the search query. Now, the top results that you find may make you a little bit wary of their authenticity based on where they're from or how they explain how to do it. But fortunately, I have found a service uh, that I'm happy to recommend. It's from mobileunlocked.co.uk. Highly ranked, they offer quick processing, and they're 100% guaranteed as a permanent way to unlock your iPhone for whatever reason you're looking to do. So for just $26.99 for the AT&T version, your unlock is performed via iTunes, and all you do is connect your device to your computer, and that process is done all through iTunes. It's officially sanctioned by Apple. It offers a high level of user comfort and security in the process. And if you're interested in learning more about it, we've got a step-by-step of how to do it over at thecellphonejunkie.com. Thanks to mobileunlock.co.uk for their help with this review. So for that price, I mean, to me, that seems extremely reasonable to get this uh, done ahead of time or instead of waiting for your, uh, the, the contract to run out and have your, your phone out of, uh, out of contract for AT&T to do it free. Because just what you could save on swapping your SIM if you do any international traveling could easily justify this, uh, this price for getting the, the device unlocked for international travel. So I'm glad the service uh, worked for you. It looks like they do lots of other phone models as well, not just iPhones. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, they are a a site that specializes in unlocking of phones. It depends on the carrier that you have. I've heard from uh, some that are in the UK that it actually is a lot more expensive than this, depending on the carrier that you have. Uh, But for AT&T and for most of the folks that are listening to the show that have AT&T locked devices, this is a good way to go. And uh, I was able to verify it does work just fine with T-Mobile. Uh, popped a T-Mobile SIM in that I had cut down to the micro uh, micro SD size or not SD micro SIM size and uh, was popped it in and immediately pulled up T-Mobile service. It was uh, interesting. I was hoping to see that T-Mobile would have uh, processed this area and, and moved all the, the towers over to the 1900 megahertz for 3G, but they have not done that yet. So uh, I'll uh, keep a tab on that and see what happens. Yeah, that'll be really interesting as well. Um, one other thing I just want to say, yeah, make sure you definitely go with one of these iTunes uh, unlock route versus the the ones that use the weird SIM card things that seem to rewrite something in the phone. I, that just probably is a sketchy way to do it and probably will go away anytime a software update uh, uh, gets released for the phone. And actually, I just checked their website. I was curious about the Verizon model because that is a GSM phone and it says we cannot unlock this handset at this time. So uh, e- even though that SIM's kind of unlocked for internationally use, probably Probably not. It's not unlockable for domestic use on the GSM network. So you cannot just go and get a, a Verizon version, apparently. So, but for the AT and T model, which I know a lot of people have millions out there, do uh, twenty seven bucks. It's a pretty good price for that. Well, next, let's talk uh, to Joey here a little bit about the new CyanogenMod Ten 
and the Sprint Nexus S4G. Joey, you had some uh, some experience here this week. You get to throw it on there. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I think I've been running for about a week now, the the CM10, and I have to highly recommend this. This is a, an early nightly build. It's like a week into it, and it is just, uh, it is smooth as heck, and the battery life uh, has been improved. And of course, the, the jelly bean style, um, you know, flowing uh, Project Butter is integrated, so the device uh, seems smoother. The, the Chrome uh, browser, web browser, is much more responsive and quicker and easier to use. So I have to uh, give mad uh, uh, mad props here to CM10, CM10 for their uh, wonderful work here because uh, the little extra widgets and all the little customizations that are possible actually make the device much quicker and easier to use. Everything from the tethering uh, right in the main drop-down drawer, you can turn it right on directly as opposed to going under like five menus you can just tap it right there and it's turned on so it's uh it, it, there's a lot of improvements and a lot of enhancements in it so it uh, um it, it's definitely something to give a shot now you talked briefly last week about some issues that you've been having with the with the nexus s4g here yeah was this any uh, any help with that or were you still experiencing are you still experiencing those things yeah unfortunately i'm still having the nightly lockups and if the, the it seems like maybe a heat related issue whenever my full phone seems to get cold it just it, it, it spontaneously re- reboots and then kind of freezes uh at the the booting screen so uh the, it looks like this uh, hardware is kind of a uh, bit the dust here and i'm just uh um, trying to figure out what to do next. I gotcha. Well, it, uh, it's nice to hear though, that, uh, you know, the, the, the 10th version of CyanogenMod mod is, is something that is, is going well here, at least for you. And I know they've got a number of other devices that have not received the official update yet to Jellybean that we're are being able to, to use this year. And we're going to talk about it in just a little bit too, because the official version of it has come to the galaxy Nexus and will be coming soon to the Nexus S 4g as well. We'll talk more about that though in software jumping into the news. First off the FCC on Tuesday announcing a proposed system to bring measuring of the performance of mobile broadband networks to the U.S. The program allows comparisons and analysis for consumers and drives competition among devices, they say. The commission says it already has supported a number of mobile network operators, and they will have an open meeting on the 21st of September to discuss the methods for collecting this data. Basically, what we're looking at is uh, when you hear a marketing uh, you know, sp- you know, speech or pitch, whether it's on an advertisement or something else, where they're talking about, you know, we've got the, the fastest speeds or we've got the best speeds or whatever it is, that's what this testing is going to be for. It's going to be so we actually have some measure for how these, quote, 3G, quote, 4G, quote, whatever networks are out there, how they're actually being measured. And so the consumer is going to feel a lot more comfortable when they hear something come out from one of the carriers. Yeah, this will be good because, you know, we've we've seen lots of claims, you know, the biggest 4G network, fastest 4G network. You know, what do these things actually mean? And, and the FCC should hopefully be able to boil it down to the consumer. I mean, we finally have gotten away from this. You know, we, we've got an unlimited data plan, but oh, guess what? It's limited to two gigs, but we don't actually tell you that. You know, finally, that's kind of gone by the wayside now. So uh, now we just get on, need to get on to the next step here and get more clarification on the speeds that are being advertised. And, and maybe we'll kind of get away from this 4G, 3G uh, designation. Maybe we'll actually start to get uh, like our home broadbands where it used to be kind of just here you get high speed. Now they, they sell it buy the megabit you know package that you're going for uh because now consumers can actually kind of understand what megabits per second are and i think we're going to probably start to see that direction in the the mobile networks as well and the good news is that there are carrier and uh, the ctia 
are supporting this initiative. So we know that they're everyone's kind of getting on board with this. We are going to see some changes happening here, and uh, we'll be seeing some some data and statistics that are going to come out. And I know a lot of the the carriers are not going to completely agree with this, of course, once it finally happens. But at the same time, uh, they have to know going into it that their support means a lot, not only to the FCC but also to the consumer uh, that what they're putting out there is in fact the truth. Well, Comscore's latest U.S. market share numbers are in, and the story is the same. Android and iOS once again continue their gains while RIM and others plummet. The July 2012 numbers show that Android gained nearly a point and a half, ending the period at 52.2% of smartphones here in the U.S. Apple had the largest gains, gaining two points, finishing the period at 33.4%. RIM lost big, down 2.1% to a sub-double-digit point of 9.5%, while Microsoft and Symbian both lost half a percent at 3.6 and 0.8%, respectively. On the OEM side, Samsung continued to lead with 25.6% of devices, followed by LG at 18.4%, Apple at 16.3%, Motorola at 11.2%, and HTC rounding out the top five with 6 I am really surprised how low HTC is on that uh, chart here. I wonder if this, you know, is, is this the worldwide or just the, this is just US. Just US. I'm, I'm kind of surprised at that. HTC used to be the, the leader. Now they're in last place. And what's really interesting is how big a lead Samsung now has over LG even, which to me that LG are kind of the mid-level phones here in the US. And maybe that's just a, a lot of the... Uh, uh, prepaid style devices I see are LG, so I'm I'm pretty shocked at these numbers. It's, they're kind of telling when you see those uh, statistics broken down, which shows that Samsung and their Galaxy S2 and and now the S3, which may not even be in this number yet, is really the the kind of the market leader for Android. I'm seeing a lot more S3s out there. In fact, I've got three people that I know uh, that I work with that have this device now, and so that is a pretty telling thing that people are are you know buying into this. They've seen the ads for it. They understand that this is the latest and greatest, and it's going to carry them through the next year at least as the flagship model for Samsung. And a lot of devices being sold and uh, being sold very quickly. You know, the S2 kind of uh, brought that together last year with their you know every carrier and the the pretty pretty uh, uh, you know focused ad campaign that they launched and ever since this to me this seems to like to be the first real organized android push uh for a particular device uh ever since the the actual droid was uh released way back on verizon i mean that was the the only other ad campaign and device that really to me seemed to gain real mass appeal for android and and now this is kind of the next the next step and as we've talked about, you know, obviously looking at a device like this where they can release it on every carrier, it's basically the same device. The only real difference is the color options that are available. We're not seeing the the, the different, uh, you know, the different builds like where you had, you know, certain ones that had keyboards and certain ones that actually looked a little bit different. It's the same phone essentially across every every carrier. And that is is uh, obviously a big thing. It worked for Apple. We've talked about it in the past a lot. And of course, it's working now for Samsung and expect those numbers to grow even quicker there. AT&T on Thursday announcing a number of new markets that will receive 4G LTE by the end of 2012. Of those, nine cities came online this week, including Anchorage, Alaska, Bakersfield, California, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Jacksonville, Florida, Modesto, California, North Montgomery County, Maryland, Syracuse, New York, Omaha, Nebraska, and parts of northern New Jersey. Other cities will come online by the end of the year. There's about a dozen of them here, or excuse me, a couple dozen of them. Uh, uh, the LTE network for AT&T now reaches uh, 60 markets and will re- re- uh, reach 100 by the end of the year. AT&T is set to be complete with their LTE network by the end of next year. Now, on the Verizon side, Thursday, they announced yet another network expansion, adding to 
to the expanding uh, number of markets here. We're talking close to 300 now. Uh, communities such as, maybe it's over 300 actually, communities around St. Louis, Missouri, Richmond, Indiana, Rochester, New York, uh, Sunbury, Pennsylvania, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Jackson County, Michigan, and then a number of network enhancements around Syracuse, uh, Binghamton, New York, and Greene County, New York as well. A lot of places I've never been. I apologize for butchering a lot of those names as well. Well, I've been to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but uh, I I know somebody that actually lives there and they've got a 4G LTE Verizon phone. So now they'll have service. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are, are at least if you're not, you know, living in these places, you're traveling to them a lot, uh, you know, and it's nice to see a lot of East Coast stuff here as well. But nice to see that they're, you know, filling in this even more. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, how quickly they've done this here. And of course, they're saying the end of 2013 as well. By the time they'll have their entire network switched over to LTE, which is just an amazing feat, and expect that to go even quicker here as uh, we see more devices come online that are using the network. Radio Shack on Tuesday announced its own prepaid branded wireless service called Radio. Shack No Contract Wireless. The service will run on Leap's, Leap Wireless's Cricket Network and is now available. There are multiple phones available on the service, including the Huawei Mercury Ice and Pillar. Services such as Cricket's Move Music will be offered, and plans will be the same as those offered by Cricket, ranging from $25 to $60 per month. Well, as we talk about each week, you can help support the cell phone junkie and the work we do by signing up for TCPJ Unlocked. The Unlocked podcast is our twice-a-month premium show, offering in-depth conversations about about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com, click the link for TCPJ Unlocked, and choose from either a monthly or quarterly membership. A big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Now, this week on the Unlock Show, we talked about Apple and their cloak of secrecy, also how customers should be allowed to use their own phones, and why workers with bring-your-own-device policies actually work more hours than those that don't have their own uh, that have their work email on their BYOD devices. So we talk uh, all of this and much more. So check that out over at thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link on the right side for the Unlock Show. Apple sent out press invitations on Tuesday, inviting select members to a press conference starting at 10 a.m. Pacific on Wednesday, September 12th. The invite doesn't talk about what will be announced, rather just the number 12, which then shadows the number 5 directly below it. The new iPhone is expected to be the topic of the day, and the invite perhaps reveals that the iPhone 5 will be the name of the next device. Yeah, unfortunately, my theory's wrong. They're not going to call the sixth phone five. I, I just don't, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm still holding on to the fact that maybe there's going to be five devices announced, Mickey. I'm, I'm clinging, I'm clinging. You know, I, I, I'm kind of been in the same camp as you that, you know, hey, this is the sixth device, the sixth iPhone. But it's this is just a marketing term. This is a device that's selling 20 million per quarter. So we're talking about, you know, just just a massive number of devices that are out there. And so... The rules don't necessarily apply to something like this. You can call it whatever you want. It's just a marketing term. Um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, a lot of stories about this and, and the, the naming of this and what it's going to be. And just, you know, we got to just, I guess, not think much about it. Although on the Unlock Show this week, we both kind of jumped in and said, you know what? It's not going to be the five. And of course, this was right before the announcement came out. So we were oh, of course. dead wrong. <laughs> of course. But, you know, they could call it the iPhone LTE. I mean, they could call it whatever they want. The 4GS. That could be, you know, who knows. Uh, but but it, it they are usually not that tricky with these uh, invitations they send out. Usually it's pretty obvious what they're uh, actually getting at. So 
uh, this looks to be the case. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, it's it's good news for those that are Apple fans that a new phone is almost here. And uh, the Wall Street Journal adding on to this with some news this week that they say sources familiar with the matter uh, will ha- will note that the Apple launch announcement will have a device that will work on 4G networks in the U.S., Canada, Europe, and Asia, though, of course, no operators were listed. And at this point, it will be completely impractical that all LTE bands from all carriers around the world will be supported in a single device. That's 36 total bands. Um, but we are talking about potentially multiple devices here, which could you know, fall over multiple different carriers. And so we could see carriers around the world getting access to this device, which would be a departure from what we saw with the iPad here earlier this year. Yeah, so we've got, uh, you know, we've got questions here that, uh, you know, with these LTE bands making the the device much more complicated, you know, is Sprint going to get an LTE version of this or are they going to go along again this year, you know, the entire year without LTE, whereas Verizon we know will because the iPad has it, you know, is AT&T's LTE even going to get because their network is very much in its infancy as well. And, you know, usually Apple kind of hangs back a little bit. So, because uh, they don't want their user experience to be kind of poor. And, and you know, like the first one was just Edge. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how many different variations and different SKU numbers they, they end up releasing uh, for this iPhone 5. Uh, at this point, I, I think we're going to see absolutely the same thing we saw with the iPad here, at least in the States, where there will be both uh, Verizon and AT&T versions that have LTE. And I say that because the fallback for AT&T is onto, on their HSPA Plus network, which is actually quite quick. Uh, in fact, it's it's about as quick in some cases as what the LTE version, uh, what the LTE network does for them. So I do think we're still going to see it here. And yes, although it's not uh, as built out as Verizon's, Verizon's is ready to go. They can absolutely you know push it out here and stuff. And in some of the even the most remote places, I've still seen LTE service, uh, and and so I know that it's it's good enough for them, and they're ready to go with that. As far as you know, Sprint, that's a great question. I, I don't know what they're going to ultimately do with that. I feel like that's still. Uh, it, it's it's that is just kind of this up in the air podgepodge of okay, this is what we're going to do here. We're going to have this you know partner doing this here and stuff, and it's 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 okay. Uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not convinced at Sprint yet. But hopefully for the the, the case of Sprint customers, they will have it available. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's tough to say, will they even get this new version of the phone or were they going to be uh, continuing on the 4S this year? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions with Sprint because it's kind of a different ne- uh, different carrier now. So it, it will it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I am really uh, curious what will uh, shake out of this uh, announcement. I think the thing that we can all agree on is that we will not see a T-Mobile announced version of this device. And uh, that, that because of that, I think there's uh, going to be a big push here. And we've heard some rumblings of T-Mobile pushing out these iPhone uh, activation booths, if you will, in their stores where people can actually bring in a device that has been unlocked and they can activate it on a T-Mobile network inside the T-Mobile stores, which is very interesting. So look for those if you're someone who wants to uh, maybe get a deal on a prepaid plan or, or do something else with T-Mobile and you want to bring it on locked in unlocked device and uh this is probably the best way to go is to get yourself a 4s because it's gonna it's still a very good phone i still find it to be um one of the top devices out there you know say what you will about the screen size or anything else it's still a very solid device it looks very good and, and performs exceptional well there's uh probably no question that apple's going to keep this device around for a, an additional two years like they've done with the 3gs i mean th- i think this model is that got that that real solid reputation and real solid performance that will uh, that will mimic the 3GS and will be a long-lived device, uh, supported by Apple. You know, probably getting iOS 7 next year as well, and probably even iOS 8. Uh, you know, the year after. 
Yeah, and the 3GS, uh, for what it's worth, is is likely going to be retired now. I mean, this was something that was announced in June of 2009, so we're now pushing three years and three months after this one was originally released. So it is an old phone. I know a lot of people still love to love to go and get the cheap phone, though. And you can say, I've got an iPhone, and uh, you know, my wife is one of them. She did not like the styling of the 4 and the 4S, and so she's been hanging on to that 3GS, and you know, this will be the end of the road for her, but uh, with that phone at least. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens happens here what other things get announced and if any surprises come out as they relate to the mobile field nokia and microsoft on wednesday announced the latest lumia handsets revealing the lumia 820 and 920 both running microsoft's windows phone os the first is the lumia 920 pureview featuring a 4.5 inch 720p hd display a 1.5 gigahertz dual core processor one gig of ram 32 gigs of internal storage and native support for wireless charging pureview camera technology is being used Used with the new 920 for image stabilization, though it will contain an 8.7 megapixel camera rather than the 41 megapixel sensor found in the 808 smartphone. Nokia refers to this as a floating lens technology. The 920 is equipped also with an NFC chip, micro SD card slot, uh, 4G LTE connectivity, and inductive wireless charging. Like I mentioned, the company will make its own accessories, including a plastic mat and a Fat Boy branded pillow unit. The phones are compatible with the Q. Uh, yeah, I think it's Q. No. Q, Qi, Qi standard, that's what it was. That means they can be used with a variety of charging mats, and uh, this will be allowed in not only, you know, products that you can purchase through retail stores, but also in places like Virgin Atlantic's Lounge at Heathrow Airport and select coffee bean and tea leaf shops where you'll be able to charge your Windows phone with the new fat boy mats. Nokia did not announce which carriers would be getting the 920 or pricing information, though Reuters has reported that some European carriers would begin selling the phone in November, and the latest rumors have the U.S. version of the device on AT&T launching November 2nd. Next, Nokia announced the Lumia 820. The 820 has a 4.3-inch AMOLED screen, Considered to be a mid- or high-end smartphone for the company, it will include 8 gigs of storage, a 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor, and 1 gig of RAM, an 8-megapixel camera with Carl Zeiss Optics is on board, and the device will have a similar polycarbonate designed to the Lumia 800. Also, the 820 will feature exchangeable shells, meaning the color of the phone can be changed based on your mood. Pricing and availability information was not provided. So Nokia coming out here with uh, some new devices here, kind of the flagship models for what's going to be Windows Phone 8 uh, coming up for here for the next year. Uh, The 920, obviously a big device, 4.5 inch screen. It runs very quickly though. And from what we've seen with the videos from the announcement, it looks very nice. A lot of people excited about this one. I think they've done a good job too with uh, where where they've got the tiles on the screen where they can be resized and you can put a lot more information on there. And it's kind of coming into its own Windows Phone OS that is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, device is received and sold by the carriers. If, you know, if they do get behind it and push it, you know, it could be a very successful device for uh, transitional people that, you know, don't really want the iPhone or, or uh, want something a little bit even easier to use than the iPhone. Because, you know, this the, the tile presentation does give you, uh, you know, at a glance information a lot more than the iPhone does. I'm pretty excited about this. I, I'm really, really looking forward to getting my hands on one of these. As I've mentioned in the past, it's it's not that uh, you know Windows Phone hasn't been intriguing. It's just hasn't been there you know enough, and it hasn't been far enough for me. And it, it really felt like how the original iOS uh, you know versions felt. You know where you couldn't really do that much with it, and they didn't add enough into it to make it uh, feel like what you could use on a regular basis with that. And you know that was kind of like in the the end days of Windows Phone, and and when BlackBerry was really coming online, and they, they still felt 
like better operating systems for the power user. And uh, so I think that's kind of been my, my hiccup with using Windows Phone on any sort of regular basis. And uh, with some great hardware here, you've got some partners with, uh, you know, with Nokia and of course Samsung is coming, gonna you know continue on here with making hardware. And and there are gonna be some great devices here, and they're gonna hopefully rack up some sales. I don't know if it's too little, too late. Uh, hopefully this is going to at least kickstart uh, some sales for them. I know Nokia is is really putting in place just a ton of effort, marketing resources, money, everything that you can imagine to get this stuff off the ground. And so we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on them and see how they do. But two new devices here this week, some very exciting stuff in the Lumia 920 and 820. Verizon Wireless and LG on Tuesday announced the Intuition, a version of the LG View with a 5-inch display and 4 by 3 aspect ratio. The Intuition features a stylus called the Rubberdium. Uh, rubber, rubberdium? De- looks like Rubberdium. It's a pen. It's a stylus. It looks like Rubberdium. Anyway, it's a note-taking application that goes with it called Quick Memo, and altogether, it's a note clone. The phone features Android 4, a dual-core 1.5 gigahertz processor, and 1 gig of RAM. Other features include an 8-megapixel rear and 1.3-megapixel front cameras. uh, LTE connectivity, Bluetooth 3, Wi-Fi, GPS, and mobile hotspot support are also included. The LG Intuition will be available starting September 6th for $200 with new agreement. Verizon on Tuesday announced the Samsung Galaxy Stellar, a mid-range handset with a 4-inch 800 by 480 resolution display. Features include Android 4, a dual-core 1.2 gigahertz processor, LTE connectivity, a 3.2 megapixel rear and 1.3 megapixel front camera, micro SD card support up to 32 gigs, and what Samsung calls SAFE, or Samsung Approved for Enterprise. SAFE includes 256-bit encryption, VPN support, mobile device management systems, and additional exchange features. The Stellar will be available online and in stores starting September 6th for $50 after mail-in rebate and new agreement. T-Mobile and Walmart on Tuesday announced the Samsung Galaxy S2 would be available at select Walmart stores nationwide. Nearly 2,600 locations will carry the device for only $300 with no contract. The device can be used on T-Mobile's no-contract monthly 4G or Walmart family mobile plans. Then Motorola and Verizon on Wednesday announcing three new handsets. In the second big event of the week, the Droid Razer M, Razer HD, and Razer Max HD are announced, starting first with the Razer M. Features include a 4.3-inch QHD display with edge to ed- with an edge-to-edge screen that's the same size as the Razer, uh, but a smaller overall device footprint. It also has a 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor, Android 4.1 Jelly Bean, an 8-megapixel camera, Gorilla Glass, 8 gigs of storage, 1 gig of RAM, a 2,000 milliamp hour battery, and it'll be available next week for $100 with a new agreement. Next, the Razer HD and Razer HD Max. Features of both include a 4.7 inch color boost display with 1280 by 720 resolution, Android 4 ice cream sandwich, though a Jelly Bean update is planned by the end of the year, dual core 1.5 gigahertz Snapdragon S4 processor, 8 megapixel camera, 4G LTE, Google Chrome, NFC, 32 gigs of storage, one gig of RAM, and Gorilla Glass. The Razer HD has a 2500 milliamp hour battery with talk time of 16 hours and is 8.4 millimeters thick. The Razer Max HD has a 3000 milliamp hour battery with 21 hours of talk time and is 9.3 millimeters thick. Both will be available before the holidays, though pricing for both were not announced. You know, of course, the, the jelly bean thing is kind of irritating. You know, this is again and again and again, of course, every release, it's the uh, flagship phone for a uh, manufacturer should probably have the latest OS running on it, especially when they're owned by Google. This is what really is confusing. But 
uh, I guess we have to just uh, wait for those updates to come out. But uh, I am kind of a fan of uh, Motorola hardware. It does seem very durable and reliable. So these should be pretty decent phones here for uh, for kind of an, an alternative choice. I like the the no bezel look of the uh, the first one there. And it's uh, I, I think these will be pretty successful. I know that the Razer has been uh, for uh, Verizon, but the, the, the Max really hasn't been for some reason. Well, and I think with both of these devices, or all three of the devices, that is, you know, people are looking for for things that are different. And obviously, Motorola has come out here with this this branded line of Razer, and uh, you know, it's got this Kevlar, you know, feel on the back of it, and and certainly very durable, as you mentioned. And and I like the you know the upgraded in the screen uh, here for the Razer and the Razer Max, and I think that was one of the big complaints with the original Razer uh, when they came out with that one last year. And you know, yes, we don't have Android four right away. But uh, hopefully by the end of the year, 4.1, is is good. And it's going to get you, uh, it's going to make you feel okay until you get to 4.1, which like they say happens later this year. Uh, and uh, they are committed to this. And we're going to talk about that in a second too. Yeah, very true. Yeah, there's there's not really major, major functionality that's uh, compared to going from gingerbread to uh, ice cream sandwich. Yeah, that was a huge leap. So along with the new devices, Motorola Mobility CEO Dennis Woodside said Motorola is focusing on power management with these thin form factors. They say they are fully committed to Android and will offer developer editions of the newly released devices starting at around $550. And they also said that Jelly Bean updates will come to many devices uh, as many as they can as possible. And for those that can't be upgraded, a $100 credit will be given towards the purchase of a new phone. Now, right now, users can enter the name and email address uh, of on select one of 18 phones from a list to see if it's eligible for a Jelly Bean update. If the phone isn't eligible, Motorola will send out details on how to get the $100 credit. So again, they are they are focused on getting Jelly Bean out there to the devices that will support it. And if you can't get it on your device, they're going to potentially give you a $100 credit, though it looks like Details are still a bit murky there. Now, shortly after the announcement, Rogers Wireless announced that they will be the exclusive carrier of the Razer HD in Canada, though they did not say when the device would be available. Finally, Google's Eric Schmitz has a few words, uh, had a few words to say at the event, noting that 1.3 million Android activations now occur every day, and all said 480 million Google Power devices are now operating around the world. Uh, almost half a billion Android devices are out there. That is a staggering number uh, when you think about the fact that you know we're talking talking you know 7 billion people around the world and uh, we're talking 500 million are using android powered devices or at least 500 million devices are out there T-Mobile on Thursday launched uh, the Samsung Galaxy S Relay 4G. The device features a 4-inch 480 by 800 Super AMOLED screen, full QWERTY keyboard, and will run Android 4. Other features include a 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor, 5-megapixel rear and 1.3-megapixel front cameras, and 1 gig of RAM. The mid-range option will be available in the coming weeks, though no pricing or exact release dates were given. Samsung on Thursday announced that it had crossed the 20 million milestone for sales of the new Galaxy S handset Galaxy S3 handset in just the first 100 days since launch. This in three t- is three times as fast as the time it took to hit the mark with the Galaxy S2, which took 10 months to reach the 20 million mark. Samsung says around 200,000 S3s are sold each day. Well, Samsung may have talked a little bit about U.S. variants in the Galaxy Note 2, but we do not know yet who it's going to be coming to here in the U.S. Well, it looks like this week a brief mobile source has said that an AT&T version of the handset, along with a T-Mobile, Bell Canada, Sprint, and even a Verizon version could be on the way. Joey, this is a, obviously pretty good news to hear for those that are looking to get their, their hands on a new Galaxy Note, and uh, I guess time will tell for when these things finally get uh, released. 
Yeah, there was always rumblings that Sprint and Verizon were going to see the device called the, the, the Galaxy Journal, which was supposedly the CDMA variant of the Note. I don't know if that device just got canned, probably, maybe because they said, well, we're working on the Note 2, let's see how the Note goes, and, and uh, the, obviously the success of the, the Note around the world has probably led all the carriers here in the U.S. to say, yeah, we want this one. I mean, the the the, the fact that the S2 and the S3 have been such uh, good sales successes as well leads naturally into this device and of course given its you know differentiation with the the stylus and the the particular applications that work with the stylus uh to me it's the carriers probably really do see this as a a good choice to have to to give them some extra differentiation and some better features to uh get people to jump on a uh big and expensive device and most of these devices, uh, you know, or most of these phones, these big devices, I think it's 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 very interesting how popular they've become. And you know, we we're the couple of the first people to dismiss this when it first came out and thought, ah, whatever. The Note is this; it's way too big. No one's going to want it. Uh, but uh, you know, obviously, people are like these big devices. They like big screens, and and these are uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a good thing that they are they are bigger than the average device, and you need to have two hands to use them. So. Good on Samsung for coming up with a hit. And obviously, as we talked about with the LG View, uh, it's not uh, the only device that's going to be in that five-inch game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I guess we've kind of, uh, at least me and and I know you a little bit, have always been a little down on the bigger devices. Every time a bigger size gets announced, oh, that's kind of big. People aren't going to want to carry it. And it just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, everything from the the Galaxy S three four point eight inches. Now the the Razer HD HD Max. Um, you know, these are uh, color. You know, they're four point seven inch color boost displays. Uh, people are just they want these big devices, and uh, you know, good for them. Good for them. And I I, I don't have uh, yet a desire to it. Although I'm I'm a little intrigued in uh, in having something you know that big five point five inches. Wow, that's uh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I I don't know how well that would fit in a pocket. That's my only thing. And I wonder if people are going into the store and seeing these and, and are really impressed with the size of them, but don't don't actually think about carrying them. I I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's what's happening. I, I'm not sure. Well, it's uh, nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and the Galaxy Note 2 here, uh, when it comes to the the official, you know, comes to all the carriers here in the U.S., obviously it's going to. Uh, find itself, I think, in a position where people are going to buy just because it is available and uh, they're going to see it. And they're going to go, wow, look at that screen. Yeah, I'll take one of those. And finally, this week in the third major press conference, Amazon on Thursday announced new tablet hardware, including its first tablet with 4G LTE connectivity. The Kindle Fire HD 4G LTE features an 8.9 inch screen with 1920 by 1200 resolution. That's 254 pixels per inch. It also has 32 gigs of storage and will include 250 megabytes of of data per month as well as 20 gigs of cloud storage and a $10 Amazon credit all of that for just $50 per year the Kindle Fire HD 4G LTE is available for pre-order and will ship starting November 20th for $500 Amazon also announced new a new front lit Kindle Paperwhite e-reader and three other tablets during the event now this is an interesting uh, thing here because now that Amazon number one has come out with we'll just call it an, an iPad clone because it's almost the same size high resolution display it's got LTE built into it but for only 50 bucks a year you're getting 250 megabytes of data per month that's going to be I think for a lot of people enough data to keep them satisfied uh, to be able to use this device while on the go 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, especially for just downloading books, if that's kind of how you're using it as the e-reader or even some applications. I mean, that's not that bad or just web browsing. So I, I think uh, that will handle most people. It's kind of a yearly price. It's kind of an interesting way to do it, not a monthly fee. Um, it, it's uh, We'll have to kind of see how these devices are received. I know the Kindle Fire has been very popular. That's what four dollars and some odd 60 cents a, a month or something like that i mean it's it's virtually nothing and uh to see that kind of price 250 megs of data per month plus you get that 20 gigs of cloud storage which uh, is a little ironic because obviously you're not going to be using 20 gigs to store a bunch of stuff and then stream it uh but you could still use it for cloud storage and of course the 10 dollars amazon credit so really it's now down to 40 dollars a year and uh, it's just it's a it's a pretty good deal I, i'm thinking about this as you know a, a big one for gifts i think a lot of people are going to really like this and you can you buy it and then of course give uh the the gift of another of data for an entire year on the device to somebody yeah, I mean, it's kind of a direct competitor to the uh, the Nexus 7, but to me, this seems like a, a stronger competitor because Amazon, I mean, that's the, the reason why the iPad is so successful is Apple and its app store that's behind it. This, we've got Amazon behind it and, you know, their app store and, of course, their net shopping network and, of course, every other service that they have behind the scenes as well. So, uh, you know, this is definitely... A, going to be a valid competitor in the, the the upcoming years as well and and it may kind of eclipse some of the google you know actual google branded tablets and some of the other manufacturer tablets as well it all has to do too i think with distribution and where people can get it uh, and what people know about it people go to amazon they see the tablet available they go to google sometimes i think it was what one day a couple of weeks ago we actually saw the nexus on the front screen of google which is very rare for google uh, but either way you go to amazon this this these things are going to be all over it and people are going to go oh well i already shop here let's let's see what this is all about oh i can play my music i can play this i can do this and uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a good option i, I think it's uh, i think it's good that they've come out with this and um, you know, I love it that it's got the, the LTE connectivity in it as well. Uh, from what I read, I think this is AT&T's LTE network. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said there, this uh, provides kind of a an easier experience uh, for the cu- customer to use on both sides of the thing. You know, Android tablets are fairly easy to use, but then the content side of things are a lot more difficult. So this is where Amazon's got the, the real power. They do indeed. Well, this show, also supported by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, also very easy to use, available for Android and the iOS for $1.99 for the true Cell Phone Junkie. It integrates the best that this show has to offer in an application. It lets you access the last 50 shows on demand and listen to them in the background while you do other things on your device. You can also cache that show to listen to it offline, call the show directly from the app, email the show, follow the Twitter feed, and view all of the the show's notes directly from a PDF document that is built into the app there. If you're looking to experience, the best way to listen to this show on your smartphone are iOS and Android apps are for you. Well, a couple of uh, software stories this week. First off, Nokia, along with the announcement of the new Lumia devices, uh, released the uh, the launch of Nokia Music. Uh, now, Nokia Music will offer more than a million tracks, 150 playlists, and offline caching for custom playlist support. The service is free to use and does not require a special account or sign-up. It can be downloaded for free from the Windows Phone Marketplace. Sprint on Tuesday began distributing Android 4.1.1 Jellybean to their version of the Galaxy Nexus. The upgrade 
upgrade 24.1.1 includes a smoother interface, enhanced functionality, including offline voice dictation and expandable notifications. Sprint says also that the Nexus S4G will be rolled out soon, but no timeline was given. Both devices will receive the rollout over the air during the next few weeks. Users can also check for the update manually as well. Now, uh, Joey, we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier with your CM10 stuff, but uh, you have not seen this yet for the Nexus S4G, correct? No, it's not available yet, uh, but it should be coming soon, hopefully in the next few days. Uh, check out the XDA developers section on the Nexus S for a link uh, that will provide, that'll be, there'll be eventually here when it finally does hit, there'll be a direct link to get the update package to then install on your device if you, uh, uh, if the over the air check doesn't get it for you because it they, they roll it out in waves and you may not get it for weeks. So if you're uh, really impatient, go, go and uh, get it that way. All right, there you go. Lastly in news, AT&T recently announced that the Android 4.0 update for the Samsung Captivate Glide uh, would be uh, coming soon here. And looks like the update uh, must be downloaded via the Samsung Keys desktop software and will not be delivered over the air. AT&T said more ice cream sandwich updates will be available soon for its devices, though, of course, did not describe or specify which ones. Next up, questions and comments. First today, a question from Terry. He says, guys, I believe this has been covered before, but can you do a brief review of the best way to stay in contact while traveling throughout the UK? I'll be there for a few weeks in late September, and while I have notified my clients that I'll be away for a week, I will have to make an occasional call or check email. I have a BlackBerry Bold 9900 and will have Wi-Fi access at my hotel for a nominal charge of $30 for the week. I appreciate any guidance you can offer. Love the show. Longtime follower since show one. Terry. Well, Terry, thanks off, uh, first off for the question. And uh, yes, we have discussed it in the past, but it's always a good one for review. And uh, first off, your choice of device, the Bold 9900, I believe, is a good one. It's going to be very good for data consumption while you're traveling, and you'll be able to use it with, uh, I believe, relatively small costs. Now, as far as the networks are concerned, the easiest and most convenient way to keep in contact is to have your carrier turn on global roaming for you. It's also, though, the most expensive. People can, of course, then just call your normal number or text your normal number, and nothing special is needed. So keep that in mind if you're looking for ease of use, but you're going to pay for it a little bit. Now, you talk about having a BlackBerry here. If all you're using it for is email, uh, maybe occasionally uh, going on and, and checking Twitter or something like that, you can probably get by uh, with doing that. You're only going to use probably just a couple of megabytes a day. It's not going to be very much. And so you can get the lowest plan uh, and be fine that way and probably not even have to use uh, the hotel Wi-Fi. You can save your cash on there. And now as far as calls are concerned, they are going to be expensive, about a dollar a minute. Texts, uh, you can get a texting plan. I think it's uh, 10 bucks. It gives you 50 outgoing messages and like unlimited incoming or something like that. It's pretty relatively cheap. All said, um, I believe you're on AT&T here. Uh, it's going to be probably around 40 to $50 for your time there if this is what you choose to do. Now, the second uh, and cheapest way that you could go is to have your device unlocked and then purchase a SIM from one of the carriers when you get over there. That's going to allow you to get local rates on texts and calls and data, but it's also the least convenient. You'll have a local UK-based phone number that will require others to use to get in touch with you. So meaning that UK-based number would be the one they would have to call to get you. Uh, they would also have to, uh, would be able to email you though, and of course you'd be able to respond to them and, and be able to use that just fine. Now, because you have a BlackBerry, you're going to need a special BlackBerry plan and uh, you'd have to you know, figure out that on the device and how that's all going to work. Um, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I'm, I'm not totally against it, but it's something where if you're going to need people to, to reach out to you and contact you via voice, it's probably not the best way to go because they're going to have to call a 
UK-based temporary phone number. So it's it's kind of one of those right in the middle where I go, well, it's it's yeah, it's 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 okay, but it's not great. Now I think that the best middle ground though for what you're talking about are services like MaxRoam and TruePhone. They offer SIM cards that will provide you with a phone number in the U.S., but a SIM that has global roaming capabilities. Check both of those out and find out uh, both MaxRoam and TruePhone to see which one is going to meet your needs better. Uh, the the data is fairly expensive, but at the same time you're using a BlackBerry. I'm not 100% positive they're going to work in Blackberries um, for the Blackberry, you know, internet services for the email services. I do know, of course, you can put the the uh, the uh, the SIM card in, and you'll be able to make calls and receive texts and stuff like that. But the data is always this kind of hairy thing that you have to deal with when you're when you're talking about a Blackberry. Now, I want to take a totally different approach as well, and just briefly explain uh, how I would approach this, and that would be through Google Voice. And we have talked about the advantages, in fact, very much in depth on the Unlock Show number one twenty one. It can offer you a way to use one phone number for all of your calls and texts on pretty much any device out there. Now, once you get the number, it can be forwarded to any U.S. phone number, like a true phone SIM, so people would be calling you wouldn't have to deal with multiple numbers. Now, on the SMS side, as with your BlackBerry, you'd be able to use the Google Voice application and configure it to download the latest data from Google Voice as often as every five minutes, and all of your messages will then come to you that way. So it's all over data. You don't actually use SMS. Alternatively, you can have the SMSs come through via email, letting you get them in real time, though the only downside to that is that you then have to go into the Google Voice application to respond. Now, as for making and placing calls, if you have a laptop with you, you can use the browser to place calls through the Flash-based Gmail Google uh, Google Voice I'll just call it applet thing that they give you, which you can just then go into your Gmail and make calls through that way, which was a great way to go when you're by a computer. Otherwise, you can uh, simply just use the the SIM card that you have there to make your phone calls. So uh, it's it, there's a couple of different ways you can go. Everything from just saying, you know what, I'm going to spend a couple extra bucks and uh, just have my carrier manage this all for me to buying a SIM card when you get there and probably spending the least amount of money, but being a little bit uh, less convenient for everybody to the middle ground there, which is MaxRoam or TruePhone. They will give you a US-based phone number, so you can then take your regular phone number, forward it to there, so at least you'll get your calls. Of course, SMS does not come through. That's where Google Voice really comes in, is that you can set up Google Voice to text to another phone number. You can have a text to your email. You can do all this stuff with it. It's very flexible. Definitely take a look at it and figure out what the best way to go is for you. Joey, I don't know if you have anything else on that or what you may recommend. No, unfortunately, probably just the Google Voice and the combination of those, uh, the, the SIM services, probably the best way to go. It's uh, it's never easy. Uh, and if you're looking for easy, just getting your the international roaming enabled from your carrier is the way to go. Next one, a question from Jacob. He says, Mickey and Joey, I was listening to episode 327 when you mentioned uh, factory unlocking iPhones. I recently came across an article referencing a website called Cellular Medic. Now, according to the website, they offer either an instant uh, or, or a 24-hour factory unlock. Those run either $75 or $60, respectively. They require that you pay through PayPal and then include the IMEI of your phone in the notes. Have you heard of this site? Is it possible uh, that they are legitimate? I would love to unlock my phone for trips to Canada and jump onto one of their providers. Thank you for all the work you do. Jacob. Well, Jacob, as you probably heard at the beginning of this show, I found another service much cheaper than Cellular Medic. I've never heard of them. I've never used them. So I I cannot say one way or another about them. But I will tell you this cheaper uh, way that I went through mobileunlock.co.uk, 27 bucks. If your iPhone is on uh, AT&T, it's an easy way to go. Check them out if you're looking for something cheap. Next one is a question from Dominic. He says, guys, I have a cancellation question for you. My wife and I are on T-Mobile. I have an unlocked Galaxy Nexus. She, an unlocked Galaxy Note. She is off contract and we are looking to save money. 
Our bill is due on the 12th of the month. Our cycle starts over on the 20th of the month. I'm trying to figure out when the best time to cancel her line with T-Mobile and start up a new line we're thinking of going with Straight Talk would be. Is there a specific date which we can cancel her line so we won't have to double pay T-Mobile because we're still on a postpaid account and also start a new line up with Straight Talk? Or does it even matter what day we cancel? What would you guys do? Thanks. Not sure how to go about it. Thought I would ask the experts. Dominic. Dominic, this is a really good question. Actually, something that I know a lot of people are going to be considering here as a new device season comes up here and you're looking to make a switch, whether it's just to another carrier or you're looking to you know break away and do something totally different. Um I would recommend, uh, the only reason I would recommend that is for you to wait to a specific day to cancel your current plan is if you're using all or the majority of the minutes, texts, and data that you have each month. So the way a postpaid carrier works is they'll they'll prorate the service that you have for the month. However, whenever you cancel, that means that could, uh, that could end up uh, causing you to have to pay overages if you aren't careful. So let me give you an example. If you have a plan that includes 600 minutes, broken that down per day, that's 20 minutes per day. If you cancel your account 15 days into your cycle, which would mean you'd have accumulated, let's just say 300 minutes, but you actually use 400 minutes, you'd have an additional 100 minutes that you'd have to pay for as they wouldn't have been amortized through the cost of the plan for that month. Now, the other side of that is that um, if you plan to uh, keep your phone number, make sure you port your number over from your new carrier to uh, to Straight Talk, it sounds like. Don't cancel Team mobile. So go to Straight Talk, ask them to port the number over to them because as soon as you go to cancel with T-Mobile, your number is gone and you can't port it out. So just keep that in mind. Uh, the other part of this is uh, once you cancel your account, so let's just say, you know, you say your cycle starts over on the 20th. If you make the change on uh, right at the end of the month on the 30th, you are going to have essentially two or well, would it be two thirds of the month? So however many, 20 days, almost three weeks of service that you would have prepaid for. That's how you know these postpaid accounts work. And so you'll get that as a refund to you. So you're not actually going to be you know double charged for this and never see the money again. You may have to pay it up front to get the uh, you know, when you get the service taken care of. Um, you know with you know getting your new month in and the straight talk and how all that kind of blends together. But um, either way, you're not going to be out money. But again, just keep in mind how many minutes and text you're actually using, what your plan looks like so that you don't end up with some sort of prorated strangeness because that absolutely can and does happen. Next one here is a comment from Adam. Actually, it's a number of comments. And uh, he says, a few shows ago, I reported on the best method for setting up phone service when traveling to Canada. I explained how I was going to be able to get phone, text, and data for less than $30, although it would require two phones. Well, I took my trip and wanted to give you a few final thoughts on the topic uh, for your listeners to consider. Number one, to get data. I was going to purchase a Rogers prepaid SIM and set up my data-only plan. Well, the cost of the SIM was supposed to be only $10. If you go into a store to set up the service, a salesman may be nice and give you the SIM for free. So this brought my charge from $27 down to $17 before doing anything. Good to, good to know there. So keep that in mind. If you go to into a store, maybe they'll give you a SIM. Next up, if you remember, I mentioned that Rogers will give you a $3 credit if you simply set up voicemail in your account. I thought this was a good idea, but it turned out I was better off not setting up voicemail. The reason uh, they give you the $3 credit is because not only do you have to use minutes to set up your voicemail, but anyone who calls you to access your voicemail, even if they don't leave a message, uses your minutes, or it also pulls from your dollar balance if you don't have a voice plan. I had them take the voicemail off my account and then just ignored any phone calls I received, so my cost went up from the $17 now to $20. Now for text messages, I had to set up an AT&T global messaging plan 
plan with the intent of getting SMS and MMS messages while in Canada. While SMS came through just fine, I was never able to get MMS. The reason? Since I was using a second phone with a Rogers prepaid SIM card for data, I turned my data roaming phone uh, data roaming off on my AT&T phone. Well, since MMS needs to use your data connection, Wi-Fi doesn't count, there is no way to receive the MMS without turning data roaming on and incurring data roaming charges. So if you're using a U.S. carrier for global voice, text, and data plans, you may want to be aware that when your cycle plan ends, AT&T was able to backdate my plan to any date within my current cycle to ensure that I had enough minutes or texts to meet the prorated plan uh, plans I was using. But once the cycle ends, you're out of luck. As it happened, my cycle ended one day into my trip, but I luckily was able to plan for that in advance because I know this was knew this was going to happen. That, that's a, I'll just pause right here. Uh, something absolutely to keep in mind when you're talking about global roaming is you're paying for a certain bucket of data, but that's over the course of a month. So you either have to add that plan on and prorate it back to the date that you started your, your cycle uh, or just know how much data you're going to you used in that period of time and to keep that in mind. Of course, then once you get back, you can't just call and cancel the plan right away. You have to wait until the end of the month and then cancel it at that point. So it's going to require you to kind of keep this set up. And of course, they just want you to keep the, the service on your plan because you'll just you know, keep it occurring that that same amount every month and, and you'll be none the wiser, except you will, of course, because you'll see your bill will have gone up. But either way, uh, that's how you handle that is you make sure that you've got the appropriate amount of data set up uh, ahead of time. It's not just a add it for the month and drop it off. You may not need actually to do that. Moving on, he says, he says uh, at least with AT&T, if you change your rate plan to add things like Canadian roaming, they will charge you in advance for the next month's cost. So make sure that you're aware of that as your next will probably be twice as much as you thought it would be as you will get billed for the current month and the next month on that bill. One final comment on Rogers prepaid and presumably other prepaid plans out there. Never let your balance run down to $0. I purchased $10 in funds with the intent of using two of the five, two $5 weekly 60 megabyte data passes from Rogers. Well, the rep told me that if I were to do that, as soon as I purchased my second $5 plan, which would bring my balance down to zero, my account would go into a deactivated status. So even though I purchased the data plan, I would never be able to use it. The rep was going to credit me 25 cents as to avoid this until I was so... Let me repeat that. The rep was going to credit me 25 cents to avoid this until he saw that there was a promotion where you can get an extra 10% when adding value to your account. So my $10 became $11. So this would have become a non-issue. As it turned out, I had Wi-Fi at my hotel, so I never even needed to access the second 60 meg plan and left Canada with a $5 balance on my account. So in the end, I was able to get by with about $20 to be able to get voice, data, and texting while I was away for four days. Not too bad. Thanks, Adam, the WebOS guy. Uh, Adam, anyway, thanks, Adam, very much for sharing this data. I, uh, you know, very uh, confusing, to be honest with you. I know you, you did a great job of explaining this, but carrying two phones, having one phone for one thing, one for another, I know a lot of people aren't going to do this, but 20 bucks, it's a good way to get by, and especially going back a, a couple of uh, comments ago here to someone looking to, to do some traveling, you're gonna pay, you probably paid half as much as anyone else would when they're on the go. Oh, at least. So yeah, it's a little bit, uh, looks like a little bit of extra effort, but it uh, looks like it paid off here in the end for, for that kind of price. I'm uh, I'm interested in finally seeing, uh, and I know this is probably not going to happen, but some sort of reasonable 
cost to just go and roam for, you know, a certain period of time. Like you can grab a package and that'll give you, you know, I don't know, 100 minutes, 100 texts, 100 megs of data. And that's going to be 20 bucks a month or something like that. Because the way that we have to do this, and most of the you that are listening to this show are probably well aware of how to do a lot of this stuff. But when you talk to somebody and you say, well, I'm going to go travel, what do I need to do? I need to add a, a voice plan so I can get voice. I need to add a texting plan I need to have a data plan. Okay, well, I understand I can add all this. Well, what do I need? Well, you can get, you know, X number of megabytes. You can get this. You can get this. It's all very confusing, and you finally go, I, I don't know. Just I, just give me, just add some stuff onto my account so I can use my phone while I'm on the go. It's it's really not that convenient, and, and this is um, one of the reasons why this question comes up so much is because it's just not that easy to figure out. And I know the majority of people who are traveling are, are not wanting to think about this stuff. They just want a phone to work when they're on the go and when they're traveling. And, and so either way, Adam, I, I, I really respect your, your intuition here. And by thinking ahead and being able to do all of this, a couple of great tips here as well for those that are, are interested in taking this and kind of implementing something similar to this. But man, I got to tell you, that's a lot of steps on, on how you did this and, and a lot of caveats to things. But again, thank you very much for sharing. Finally, today is a comment from Jeff. He said, Mickey, enjoy a great podcast last week. Just wanted to follow up with a recommendation about the Samsung camera. The cap- capability to do what you want exists for any camera today with what's called an iFi card. I have the four gig model and it works great, including with an Android app. I'm pretty sure there's also an iPhone app as well. It will let you transfer your photos directly to your phone from any camera with an SD slot Take a look at it. Thanks for all the great work that you do, Jeff. Well, Jeff has got a great comment here, and I, I do love uh, the iFi cards for certain things. Um, you know, certainly the you know setting up, I guess, would be an ad hoc network between your phone and your camera is a great way to go to pull the pictures off of this. I just love the idea of being able to take a picture because it's an Android-based phone, though, or OS on the camera. You can have Dropbox running. It can take those pictures, automatically upload them to Dropbox while you're on the go. You don't have to think about it. It's just awesome. That's what I love about this, about that yeah, camera. Yeah, exactly. I may have to start trying this Dropbox thing out with the camera. I'm not sure yet. I haven't done it yet, but uh, I may give it a try here. But yeah, using a... T- a third-party solution like this is a pretty good idea for um, you know for you know SLR cameras or, or, or different style cameras that don't have built-in Wi-Fi or have this capability. So it's going to need to have this option on other cameras as well. I was thinking about that today uh, as I was taking pictures and wanted to get them off the camera very very quickly. Uh, and I of course I had to pull the SD card out, put it into the computer, pull the cam- you know I thought okay I don't need to do this. I would love to just be able to get something to upload this, but. I don't, I've never used an iFi, uh, and I know there are a lot of people that really, you know, they, they swear by them and they love to be able to use them. I'm not sure it's going to do exactly what I want it to do because I, I know it, it will upload things, but I'm not sure if it will get it over to Dropbox. I got to take a look at that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know yet either if it can do that. I, I didn't look into it, but, um, you know, yes, plugging the SD card, swapping this physical piece of media is starting to feel uh, fairly old school now. I mean, it really is. So, uh, you know, obviously wireless is the way everything is going. So uh, it's great to be able to have this kind of this retrofit uh, for older devices. They uh, on their site say they're not yet partnered with Dropbox, uh, but you can easily set up your iFi to upload photos to your Dropbox account through a computer basically is what it is. So it's not quite as easy as what I was thinking. Yeah, so you'd probably have to have your computer running on your local network in order for this iFi to work, uh, I would imagine. Then, And what you do is you set its directory as your Dropbox directory. So then when those files show up in your Dropbox folder on your computer, they'd then be uploaded to Dropbox from your computer. Right, exactly. And and boy, there are, there are services that they do support 
um you know and uh, I, I do i do appreciate that but it's uh yeah, boy the idea of for those of you that have not used dropbox please you need to sign up and if you want to sign up send me an email i'll send you a link so where you can actually get a little bit extra uh storage capacity in there and uh and it's something that you just have to take take a look at especially for photos i use this all the time um i have drop uh, the dropbox application on the front page of my uh, my ios devices now so not only does it automatically upload to photo stream but i load dropbox at least probably once a day or maybe even multiple times a day and when you do it automatically uploads everything you have to though on ios open it up to make it upload whereas on android it just does it automatically in the background so uh, but either way then you have all your photos just automatically saved ready to go you don't have to worry about you know losing a camera or doing anything like that that's kind of what we were talking about last week it's just so convenient and i just i really really like it i use it all the time dropbox one of those things i could not live without well, on that note, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call, 206-203-3734. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll get it on the show. Or if you'd prefer, send us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com. We will read it, answer it, and share anything that you have with all of the listeners of the Cell Phone Junkie community. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.